0: These are the Keishi Tapes. U-Man and Favaz explore the backstories and interviews heard on Keishi, the longest-running rock station in the country.
1: All right, yes, welcome again to another edition of Keishi Tapes. I'm John Hewlett. Favaz here. My uh, Twitter handle, at
2: STLU-Man, if you want to follow me there, and and casey guy we uh we both of us tweet out when the new podcast episode comes out and all that good stuff today we're going to be talking
1: about a gentleman who made casey radio what it eventually became and that was a radio station that has endured the test of time we're 51 years of age and um in the in the 70s that's when casey really formulated uh, the the format and uh its image in st louis and and it became one of the great rock stations in america which enabled us to do all these interviews that we were able to go back and and play back to you now on casey tapes because all these artists who became superstars Needed the help of radio stations back then, and one of the biggest radio stations in the country helping a lot of these artists get established was Casey-95, and his name is Shelley Grafman.
2: And not only, I mean, it's just it's going to be great to hear from him, but we're doing it because the 51st anniversary of Casey is uh, November 7th. So this will come out the Friday before, and uh, we're kind of doing it in celebration of the Casey anniversary, and certainly uh, when I hear Casey, I think of Shelly Grafman.
1: Now this interview takes place 22 years after the radio station signed on, so this is uh, this was 1989. This interview happened. We brought him in to celebrate that anniversary and to talk about that anniversary. Great. And so uh, Shelley came into the radio station after Emmis Communications had bought Casey from the company he worked for, which was called Century Broadcasting, right. and he was not uh, kept on, not retained by Emmis Communications. And that was
2: that was back in 1984.
1: That was 84. When so, it was bought. So this was three years later. Right. And he had, you know, he it was, I won't say hard feelings, but it was uh, crushing to him because Casey was oh, his life. Oh,
2: I, I bet he was pissed because, I mean, he's the guy that made Casey what it was up until the, to that yeah. point in 1984, and then they didn't want to yeah. keep him on for whatever reason, and that's just the way it goes sometimes.
1: Right. So for him to come in that morning was a big deal because it was like, you know, healing the wounds. Of of what had happened uh, three or four years prior. I never met
2: him. Never met Shelly? No, yeah. I never met Shelley. Yeah. So when did Shelley die? Shelley died in 1997.
1: Okay. So that was wow. That's 67, 77,
2: 30 years. And 10 years after this interview.
1: Yeah, 10 years after this interview, and wow. 30 years after the establishment of the radio station, 1967. Uh, Smash and I were on the air that time together. I love doing, Smash. I just saw him last week. Yeah, so did I. Uh, so did I, 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 I love I, Smash. At the uh, on the Casey uh, Morning Zoo. And that's what we called it back then. And uh he didn't know Shelly at all either. He'd never right. met him before this interview. Right. So um here's how it went. It was
2: Can't wait to hear Smash's voice. And yours too, of course. <laughs> Let's go back.
0: And it's a happy yeah. day. 22 yeah. years of rock and roll in St. Louis here, KC 95, and in the studio <laughs> with us <laughs> here. Now, you man, tell me, because I don't know that much about Mr. Grafman here. This is the original general manager in, of Shelly. KC 95 Just from. Call me Shelley. Just call Shelley. Me Shelley okay. Please. Yeah. From from the rock and roll days as they began.
1: I would. Would you say that you were the original general manager of KC 95, Shelley? Well, was no, there
3: no. Uh, I. Uh, I don't think I was the original general manager in '67 when the station went rock. I came aboard really in sales, mm-hmm. and it was about mm, about a year and a half or two years later that I became general manager. But uh, Ron Ells was general manager, Ron Ells! and uh, that was Johnny Rabbit, right? And Who uh, now works at WIL, right? And and you don't mind me mentioning names, no, dropping, no, that's we'll all right. be we'll be dropping a lot of names if, with your permission. Sure, no problem. But Ron was uh, wait, wait, general wait, wait, manager. Shelley. Did you hear
0: that, you man? With your permission. Oh, God. You well, once worked for Shelley, and now he's asking for your permission. To... Hey, well, Happy, days, Happy days are days here again. Yes, yeah. for you, sir. Well, uh, I respect the fact that I'm your guest. Right. Yeah. We respect the fact that you would come uh, out here this, this morning. We appreciate it very much. Right. Uh, it's a pleasure. And uh, Ron was uh, programming, and he
3: was the general manager, and it was about two years later that I was appointed general manager. But, John, I, I listened to you coming down here. Century Broadcasting owned the station. From, from the very beginning of its... Well, no, they bought it from Ed Series. Ed Series, the fellow that had the station in the basement of his home in uh, Crestwood. And it covered about a full three-, four-, five-mile area. It covered Crestwood and Webster Groves and Kirkwood. And he had a small little tower out there on Watson Road. Mm-hmm. And Sentry bought the station from Ed Series in 64. It was a classical music station, uh, classical music, and uh, it covered about a three-mile er- uh, radius. They moved over to Watson Road to the old facility, built a brand new tower. It was about a 500-foot tower. Mm-hmm. And from 64 to 67, lost a lot of money and suffered the pains of, uh, no, no disrespect intended, of classical music. Right. And in 67, November. Obviously, in 67, which you guys are celebrating the 22nd year anniversary, uh, went rock in 67. And uh, I came aboard at that occasion.
1: Take a shot, Favaz, what you think Century Broadcasting paid Ed Series for 94.7 FM. In what year?
2: 1964. Wow. Uh, I'll say uh, uh, $25,000. Uh, 25000
1: 25, Yeah. A couple questions before you go further. Do you know what Century paid for Casey at that time? Yeah, I do know what
3: uh, century pay. For Could you so, are you at liberty to Yeah, sure. It was
1: $72,000. Wow. $72,000. What do you think of that?
2: Uh, well, obviously That's it's high. way more, yeah, than more than what I thought. Yeah. But but still though, today Casey's worth millions.
1: Yeah. And has made millions <laughs> and for has made its owners millions. for right. many years after.
0: Wow! That was <laughs> Boy, happy days are here again, aren't they? Man, oh man!
3: Gave him a bad check
0: as a deposit. <laughs> no, <kidding. laughs> seriously. When, when, no. They, when they decided to go from from they classic them, to rock, well, that was in '67. Your your uh, initial impression at that time?
3: Well, it was uh, you know it was a venture. FM was in, in its infancy at yep. that occasion, and uh, it was a a crapshoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the next three or four years, station lost a lot of money and um, had no listeners you know fm <laughs> was just uh, out yeah, you know and right. uh, we didn't have any listeners so we did a lot of things with mirrors and a lot of things with uh you know just uh, shadows right but uh fm caught on in the early 70s well, which we'll scratch. get into later I, I, I would be happy to relate some of the things that broke for us particularly mm-hmm. as it related to tying in with concerts and mm-hmm. with the record industry and so on and then uh, fm then of course mushroomed and exploded right uh, in 73 or 74 and if
1: if uh, you're into Casey and you've been into Casey for a long period of time, and uh, of course Casey is an institution in the in St. Louis and in the world, and,
0: <laughs> in the world, right? That's the way we see it. Did <laughs> you see the picture uh, uh, in the trades uh, that Casey ninety-five was spray painted uh, on the Berlin Wall? No, I didn't. Oh, have check that this picture. out, Shelley. This is this is great. This yeah. is
1: great. great. Um, but if you if you've been in the station for a long time, and then who in our age bracket hasn't? Uh, You'll want to listen all morning this morning to this man right here, Shelly Grafman. He knows about the history of KC95, probably like no other person in this city in in the world. And uh, I think his stories will entertain you and and, uh, surprise you as the morning goes on.
0: It is six minutes after 7 o'clock here, and we are in the studio with a gentleman named Shelly Grafman. And behind the scenes at KC95 from from the get-go, as far as rock and roll is concerned, until about, what was it, Shelly, 1984? 84, right. 84. He was the general manager here. He was the man who was responsible for most, if not all, the major decisions that uh, affected not only the radio station, but thus affected the rock and roll community. Shelly, the, the anniversary parties, as we are celebrating tonight with Sam Kinison and Starship over at the Kiel Opera House, they right, began right at there. the fifth
2: anniversary. Sam Kinnison and the yes. starship. How great. As a matter of fact,
1: Sam Kinnison was also someone who came in one of those mornings not long after this, and I hope to feature that as one of our interviews yeah. too. He was he was live in the studio with us that morning,
2: too. Oh so. man. So in nineteen eighty seven, Sam Kinison was probably just starting to peak.
1: Oh yeah. No, he was yeah, he was he was he wow. was not That yeah. was that's great. If I remember correctly, he drove straight in from where he had performed the night before and came right into the show that morning.
2: I wonder how he stayed awake. <laughs> here we go back to the interview say that's correct all right the then, first uh, who'd you have there
3: first birthday party was the fifth anniversary we had uh, a four bagger but the uh the uh, headliner was
1: that's one of his a, favorite terms a four bagger a <laughs>
3: okay the rory gallagher mm-hmm. and we had uh, john mclaughlin and the ma vishnu yeah we had mckendry spring and then uh, we had peter allen I don't know i don't know how, yeah, how he's living yeah no
0: can you believe that yeah the australian uh the pianist yeah. broadway singer exactly is, yeah. yeah yeah
3: he took a stab at <laughs> rock and <laughs> he, he <laughs> took a stab at rock and roll and uh, somebody threw him in on the show but this <laughs> very very brief <laughs> stab. So, yeah exactly a brief <laughs> uh this was in 1972 and it was a good show we had it at yeah. keel auditorium we had about five six thousand people and uh-huh. Rock was still in its infancy, but yeah. uh, we had a nice turnout. Now, was that considered a success, Four or 5,000 at that oh, time? Oh, that was a big success. We were uh, overwhelmed with that kind of a turnout.
1: Now, Keele Auditorium held about, uh, I would say, 14,000, mm-hmm. 15,000. So. Yeah.
2: But for the first time, that is really, yeah. really good.
3: Yeah. Because uh, Rock was uh, in its infancy, FM was in its infancy. And we were really uh, really daring to put on a show and, uh, and have that uh, type of a turnout. Was there any
1: point, now this is five years into it, you're talking this birthday yes. here, right? Yes. Was, it,
3: was, it, was there any point in those first five
1: years where you thought, man, we're just not making any money at this, maybe we ought to just pull the plug on this thing? Or, or, or was there a commitment from day one and
3: n- nobody looked back? John, would you repeat the question, please? <laughs> no, every day was uh, the point that we aren't making any money, and we, uh, we fought for listeners... Uh, we had no listeners the first uh, year or two. I mean, no being probably an exaggeration, but there was converters used in those days by super progressive right. young people. Yeah, they would take right, the converter, right. and we had advertisers. From I think one of the first few advertisers, one of the first advertisers was a, a gentleman who had a, a store out here on the Rock Road. He was selling FM converters. Uh, it was like $29 or $19. He sold a ton of them.
2: Did you have an FM converter? I did not, but all the old heads that you meet on remotes yes. or whatever, they'll tell you their stories, and it'll all start with an FM converter.
1: Absolutely. Ab, I had, you know. We had one. We put, I put one in my dad's car in the 67 <laughs> uh, Coronet, and initially he wasn't happy about it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was real easy. You just took a c- cable went to the back of the radio, and you can get underneath there up and underneath the dashboard, do it, Right, and then and, and into the FM converter, which you put in the glove compartment. Really? So if you wanted to have FM, you had to open up the glove compartment and and uh, flip the switch. And then the how switch. did you
2: tune to the radio? St- did you tune in on the yeah, converter you, then? Uh, the, or, you had the to tune the radio, radio
1: station onto a certain frequency, and then the FM converter oh, took it. Wow, to Wow, that's kind
2: of cool. I never yeah. bothered to. <laughs> yeah. Never bothered to ask.
1: I think I got that right. I'm pretty sure I do, but yeah, I, I remember having that thing in the if car for didn't, a good you'll couple. You'll hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had that. Uh, so 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 this was. Um, so I got my dad's car. Let's see. Um, I got the job here at K. Well, no, I started listening to FM radio probably uh 74 ish, 75. My dad's car was a 67. So I probably, uh, it's probably the FM converter, I used it to get wow. FM for a couple years That's before cool. I actually got my own car and had my own FM radio in it, which was a. And
2: big- then you had that big fro and you were gone. Yeah, I had the bench seat in front, buddy. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs>
3: okay. More. Uh, surprisingly, people came out at SIU and uh, uh, St. Louis University and Washington University, and young people would buy the converters and put them in their cars so they could listen to Casey and listen to anything on FM, really, right. and get mm-hmm. the uh, stereo. But um, it was a very modest audience. Do you close. remember who the first advertiser was? No, John, I don't. No? How no. about the first song? Some crazy, some crazy institution that went broke fast, probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> what was the first song that you played? Do you remember that? People ask us that all the time. You know... Um, escapes me but, uh, right now at the moment, but it um, seems to me it was a Moody Blues song. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah but I, uh, uh, before I leave today, I'll try my best to recall the first song. Right. I remember we, we turned it on and the first song. Boy, that's a great question. I wish I had a great yeah. answer
2: for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, um, we have the answer. <laughs> we, 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 we kind of do have the answer. Now, Johnny Rabbit, who was on the air, says, and he said the day the, the, that we launched the museum, I guess it was or whatever, that it was White Rabbit. By Jefferson Airplane, and that's what we've been going with. And he swears, forever. He, he swears, swears by, by it. Okay, because yes.
1: I thought uh,
2: because of the the whole rabbit connection to his name, he was the one that was on the air, and so he decided the first song he's going to play is White Rabbit.
1: Yeah, for those of you who are listening from outside the St. Louis market, uh, Johnny Rabbit was a big, well-known DJ on the AM Top Forty station KXOK here in St. Louis. Right, and uh, there's some controversy as to whether or not Johnny Rabbit, uh, who eventually became the guy who started Casey. He was kind of like Johnny Rabbit on the weekend. I mean, we should explain kind yeah. of what his uh, significance is in St. Louis radio history. But, um, yeah, I, I, and I, I kind of thought that 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 was just kind of agreed upon to be the song i, I don't know that it's definitely
2: the well song. that's what we're gonna agree to john all right okay <laughs> no, i'm sorry I, Shelley can say what he wants but we've been going with white rabbit for years now and yeah. who knows maybe he just wasn't there that day that that johnny rabbit pressed the button
1: maybe not yeah. yeah maybe not
2: Graffman is the man who
0: helped put kc95 on the air 22 years ago it's 10 minutes after seven o'clock right now 35 degrees and getting colder Channel 4 KC Meteorologist Mike Nelson at 7.30 to tell us more. We are doing the I Grew Up With KC 95 promotion. And this all ties in magnificently here as we celebrate our 22nd year today. It doesn't yes. tie in what we're doing here right now, though. We did the, uh, the announcement, but we did it about 10 minutes late. So we want to give this gentleman an opportunity to get in here. So we'll have two winning opportunities. You, know it is, you send us a picture of what you look like when you first started listening to KC and what oh. you look like today. We will draw different uh, names of various parts of the day. That person will have nine minutes and fifty seconds to get in on the phone lines. Here, they get through. They got themselves. You're never too old to rock and roll. Sweatshirt. To
2: hear Smash talk about a promotion that you were doing, I kind of remember that. I was just, I was a listener back then. I wasn't working then. Um, this, this is funny. I love it. What you look like back then and what you yeah. look like now.
0: Right. Oh yeah, that was a very successful promotion. Yeah, no doubt about that. Registered for the Camaro i-Rock Z from Casey and the folks oh, at i-Rock wow, So we want to give yeah. this young man, Neil Andrew Davis, this opportunity at ten after seven to get through in the next nine minutes and fifty seconds. Neil Andrew Davis. Kind of, uh, I just messed up, and I don't want the guy to feel like he got jacked around or anything like that. So. <laughs> You got that opportunity, and this is funny because we have a, uh, another Davis of a different city, Angela Davis, who is the other Angela office. Davis, isn't that? Yeah.
1: That's like a name out of history. Uh, she used what, to hang with uh, she... Stokely Carmichael. <laughs> that's right. Huey yeah. Newton, you yeah. say. Yeah. no, this uh, is a different, uh,
0: this is a Caucasian Andrea Davis. Oh, okay. <laughs> she started listening in 79. Check her out back then, <laughs> fellas. And check her out now. She looks righteous. Is, is it Andrea oh, or smash. Angela? Oh, smash. Righteous. Angela Davis.
1: Oh, yeah. All right. She's come... She's come along very nicely.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so have you, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so come on. Neil Andrew Davis and Angela Davis, both of you. Nine minutes and 50 seconds to get through here at 969-1111. 1-800-842-KSHE. We're celebrating 22 years thanks to you, rock and roll community.
2: Back in a moment. All right.
0: I like the way you
1: Did I mention this was an on-air interview?
2: Uh, I yeah, yeah, so what you're okay. hearing is, and I don't know how much you want to edit out, but... You know, it's, uh, I mean, it was the show. Yeah. It was your yeah. show that right. you were on, you and Smash. Yeah. 1990 MX6 and 626 offers end January 3rd, 1990. Actual prices set by dealers. Dealers' sales, volume, and participation
0: will affect incentives and savings.
2: I love hearing these old commercials. This quarter yeah. after
0: 7 o'clock right now, 35 degrees. We are looking for a high today of this. We got it. It's going to get colder. Mike Nelson with complete weather details coming up at 730. We're Mike Nelson, He's Channel gone. 4, yeah. used to do our
1: weather. Yeah. One
0: of the... Men responsible for putting KC-95 on the air 22 years ago as we celebrate our 22nd anniversary here today and, of course, the concert tonight. Keep in mind, free show with Atlanta Rhythm Section at Mississippi Nights. It's coming oh, Thursday. Wow. Free show, Atlanta Rhythm Section. Grabs first come, first serve tomorrow, Wednesday at 6 p.m., beginning at 6 p.m. at Now Hear This and at Mississippi Nights. Shelley, you must remember some amazingly great concerts from uh, bands that were nobody at the time kc95 gave him the break and then brought him up into uh, oh yeah helped him not, not single-handedly but helped uh, bring them up into the stature that yeah
3: they there are a day. number of bands that uh, broke out of st louis that uh, went on to achieve have gone come on to achieve a great uh, position in the uh, world of music the ones that come to my mind really fast uh, include charlie daniels mm-hmm. who uh, is a very good friend of uh, casey's and personal friend of mine but we also were
1: who, by the way, is performing at the uh, River City Casino venue this weekend.
2: Right, and he performed at the, uh, he was the headliner for the Casey Pig Roast back in June. Still going strong. Charlie Daniels is
3: 82 now, I think
2: it is? Yep.
3: With REO Speedwagon that suffered for many, many years up Mm -hmm. and through central Illinois. Uh, We brought Bob Seeger to town many, many times. He was uh, struggling in Detroit for many years. Uh, He exploded about after he'd been around for about 10 or 12 years. Mm A uh, journey started with uh, Casey. They drove here right. for a show. They drove across yeah. country. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No uh, they came across country, played for 500 bucks, and uh, were glad to be on a show. It was a turning point in their in their uh, careers. And, and and then after they've been playing here in St. Louis for a while, along with Casey 95, and struggling
1: for a whole bunch of years, then they make it, and everybody says, "Great new band."
2: Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> great new band. Yeah.
1: To frustrate us, uh, frustrate
3: yeah. us here. You know, what do you mean, new? Another cause... band that comes to my mind real fast is. Um, uh, Kansas was a band that yeah. uh, that, yeah. that broke out of uh, St. Louis. A lot of bands broke out of St. Louis because of Casey's airplane, Casey's attention. and uh, Sammy Hagar? Hagar, oh, Hagar, absolutely. Hagar, uh, he would come to St. Louis and do two nights at the uh, arena. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the country, he had 500 seaters and you know he was perplexed and he- yeah, we just talked I about said that, that.
2: Yeah. we we talked about how Sammy can play to 20,000 people here and and 5,000 in Kansas City or Chicago it's so funny to hear him talk about this in 1990, which yeah. is uh, 11 uh, th- almost 30 years after the fact
1: yeah i know it's crazy and when he talks about that that journey uh, tour they came to the radio station. Uh, I got pictures of. I've myself seen it. Yeah, of those man. Those guys back then with all that hair and everything. All of us with all our hair. And then we went to Peach's record store on Hampton and Chippewa and had uh-huh. an event there too. And the line went around the building and down the block to to get autographs. And that's when Steve, Steve Perry, Perry yeah, joined yeah, the, the band. Was the first. Wow, the band, that's yeah.
2: that, Those are
3: great stories. The answer, of course, is that Casey was totally uh, had a total love affair with Sammy Hagar, yeah. and played his music. And and understandably so. He then later on he grew into her. He was big in other cities. Michael Stanley Band out of Cleveland was a big band here. Um, these bands broke in St. Louis. And uh, you know, Shelley Grafman. And
1: I'm uh, not to stroke our guest here. I mean, I mean, that's. I mean, you can do that very easily because he's sitting here in the chair. I mean, but I'd say I've, I've said this many times before. It's he's he's one of a kind, and and they don't exist anymore. When the general manager of a radio station smash, he is known by the bands big rock and roll stars that know Shelley Grafman. You ask them now who's the general manager of a lot of radio stations, most if not all, they have no idea. But it was because you were involved not only as, as a general manager but also in the programming department. Yes, I was,
3: right, right, for about five, six years.
0: I had the opportunity uh, last year to talk with Sammy Hagar Did when you? he was here with Van Halen. Did you? And we're speaking right now with Shelley Grafman, one of the men responsible for putting KC-95 on the air 22 years ago. Sammy Hagar... Talks about his love affair with KC95. Absolutely. What She means to St. Louis, listen. Without Casey, the Beatles could not pack this building because Casey is the rock and roll reason for this town. This is a great rock and roll town and has been because Casey's been around for so long. When I was in Montrose, 73, they played Space Station number five when no one else would. They played Rock Candy when nobody else would. I cut my first solo album. They played Rock and Roll Weekend. They played Red. They played all my solo stuff. Throughout my whole career, I've always had no problem with airplay in this town. Every other radio station changes. They go, they become only stations. They become this. they become that Casey has remained solid and has remained a rock and roll station in St. Louis without Casey. St. Louis would be doomed as a rock and roll town because that people would not get exposed to the good music. Like they have been through this station. And I'm saying that uh, the other stations are going to hate me. They're going to drop our records, but you know what Casey's all that matters in St. Louis.
2: Boom. How about that? Yeah. Casey's all that matters in St. Louis. And we have that on the back of a t-shirt when Sammy played at the hard rock cafe years later, about 10 years later, mm-hmm. uh, but all that what he said right there was, and remember what we talked about in the first episode.
1: Yeah, and remember uh, he was saying that at a time when uh, the radio wars were hot. And they were other stations could drop him, and it could affect record sales and concert ticket sales. As opposed to how things are now, you don't have the same kind of radio uh, battles right. going on. Yeah. So if he said that today, eh, it wouldn't mean as much. But when he said it back then, he it was, was a big he was, big deal. He
2: was putting his neck on the line. Really, that know? was really cool to hear that. And then he went. And then he went into the song. Yeah, and then we played this <laughs>
1: song. Yeah, there we go. Let's enjoy it, at least some of it. Anyway, I think it gets cut off. Okay. Right.
2: There it goes. Hey. hey. We in still play this song today?
0: You have yeah. the Eagles right there. Sammy Hagar just before that. It is 27 minutes after 7 o'clock. We're looking to 35 degrees, and it is getting colder. Mike Nelson in about five minutes. To give us complete weather update. It's Smash. You man Caroline. Shelly Grafman in the studio with us here. Oh,
1: by the way, Mike Nelson went to Colorado. That's racist he did. TV in Colorado. Oh, okay. In case you were right. wondering. <laughs> That one, I really wasn't, Mike, but okay, thanks. That one Mike Nelson fan <laughs> out there.
0: The man responsible for bringing Casey 95 onto the airwaves here in St. Louis. And I look at Shelly over here, and Shelly, when it all began, a guy like me, a guy like you, man, a gal like Caroline, could not say badass on the radio ever, right, Shelly? <laughs> no, you couldn't. <laughs> and uh, how did you monitor to make sure something like that didn't happen? All well, right? I, didn't,
3: I really didn't monitor. It was yeah. just understood that... Uh, it was just understood. Yeah,
1: yeah. In, uh, in the early days also, I mean, uh, now that everybody's pretty much playing the same music, uh, personality radios come back. So, so conversation, hopefully yeah. lively, entertaining conversation has become a part of programming again. Indeed. But in the early days of KC-95, I mean, it was okay. Shelley would not get down on us if all we ever did coming out of a commercial set or going into a commercial set was just say, kc 95 and then right into the song. Yeah. He, it wasn't Personality Radio at that time. All sure, right. sure Mr. Mr. Bayless
0: right. would be happy about that, too.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, but shall we, oh, uh, before we? I was just thinking about our current boss, Rick Bayless, who was the boss back then. Brief, bright, and tight, baby.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that, was, but that was ridiculously brief, though. I mean, uh, seriously. Right. As a matter of fact, I was on the air one time, and I was going from one song to the next, and I opened the microphone and I said, you're listening to KC-95. And I went into the next song. That- and the phone rang. And I picked up the hotline. And yeah. Casey, studio line. And it was Shelley.
0: Yeah. He
1: said, "Great break." <laughs> and I went,
0: "I think That's I can do say. this for forty-two years." <laughs> Into news, were you the guy who uh, was uh, partly responsible, shall we say, for hiring uh, Mr. John Hewlett? Yeah, uh, I hired John. Right. You did? Yeah. It must <laughs> be
3: about eighty-four years ago. Oh, really?
0: Well, you were about to marvel at what he was when he first came on. You man. Let me see. I, I, I need that one that says Zing over there. Where? The cart that says Zing. I think it's on a... Uh, orange. On a... On uh, an orange? On an orange, yeah. It says U-Man, Zing. Oh. Because this is what U-Man was like when he first came to KC-95, straight, out of, uh, oh straight out of uh, right. Broadcast Center. And uh, see if you remember this type of okay. U-Man on the air, Sheldon. Right.
1: Start today to enjoy Zing in the new half-quart side. That's Zing, Z-I-N-G, new sparkling lemon-lime soft drink. Again,
3: that's Zing.
1: (laughs) Always zingy, always refreshing, always lively and light. Now Zing gives you the added advantage of 12 servings from each six-pack, and that's reason enough for a party. So ask for
0: six-packs of Z-I-N-G, Zing, also in the new half-quart size. Great for meals.
2: Well, uh, I'm embarrassed.
1: I think there's a product now called Zing, Zing, I have no idea Zing Zang. It's a,
2: it's a Bloody Mary mix. It is, it is a Bloody yeah. Mary mix, but I would have never thought that was your voice yeah, in hearing that. That is crazy. Well, that was, I was 14. Well, or, so what year was that? I was that?
1: 15 years old, I think, 15.
2: So what year was that? Well, I
1: went to Broadcast Center in 73, yeah, 73, so. Uh,
2: uh, 75? 16, I was 16 years so old. So is that from 1975, that break? What that break? Zing break? Oh, so that was, no, that, was, that was a center?
1: That was a commercial, fake commercial from oh, the broadcast school oh, that I was going funny. to. funny. Wow.
2: Yeah, that's I didn't what, realize that. That's okay. what that was,
1: yeah. I hired him.
3: <laughs> I can't yeah. believe I made such a mistake. Yeah, but how many six-packs did you buy of Zing? Right? <laughs> oh, yeah, true. Right. You'd get a cell job. Must have done a big sell job on me. I hired you? <laughs> that's but, right. Oh, my God. You, know, the, the, you hired me, and I was scheduled to be
1: in on uh, Monday, May 24th. And I broke my leg May 23rd yeah, I remember playing your, softball. Yeah, I remember you breaking your leg. So I had to call up Shelley and, uh, and say, uh, well, uh, I, I just uh, broke my leg and I, I won't yeah. be in for my first day tomorrow.
3: I thought for sure you were going to fire me on the spot, but you didn't. Well, me. you were a sports uh, enthusiast and so was I, so I respected the story you put on me. <laughs> a good salesman, too. He was in the wrong field. He should have been in sales.
0: Indeed. <laughs> what year was this, John?
3: This was 76. 76. So well,
0: I, I ask you, Shelly, now, gosh. you've seen the man grow? Oh, yeah. 14 years here at KC95. Marble- Marvel, Marvel, marble too. That Marvel, too. <laughs> if you will, at this young man's talents now as a newscaster. And uh, in the studio with us here, Mr. Shelley Grafman, who, uh, is, uh, who was at one time the general manager of KC95 for so many years. Shelly, real quick, before we get into new music from Aerosmith here. How did you guys decide what songs were going to be the songs, what bands were going to be the bands that you were going to play on KC95? It's such a science nowadays. You guys shot straight from the hip back then, right?
3: Yeah, that's well stated. We, we did. We had free-form radio, and the, uh, the disc jockeys were at liberty to uh, pick out the music to... Uh, to their own satisfaction, and of course, to the satisfaction of their audience.
2: I miss that. Yeah, and I never got to experience that. Yeah, those were fun days in radio for sure. I did in college, but but that's nothing compared to what you did.
1: I still get to do it on Sunday mornings on the Casey Classic Show, 8 a.m. till 12 noon hey, every Sunday morning, great. and I plan
3: out the seventh day.
2: So Today? there's that. Yeah, we kind of do it. Yeah, yeah.
3: and um, they did move in a um, in a individual way. Right. They picked out their own songs right now if we if we went heavy on a particular track Mm -hmm. right then we would post a sign up on the window in the studio to give it particular attention but independent of that uh it was freeform radio at its finest some of the groups you remember breaking uh, off the top of your head oh yeah yeah i remember oh. uh, <laughs> i would mentioned earlier rio speedwagon yeah. and journey but didn't we just go through this yeah match? and here we go
2: again
1: bad <laughs> <laughs> not a good question charlie daniels uh, we, we salute each other when we ask a good question that's one of the hallmarks yes, we do. of casey tapes uh but that to... was smash
2: so we can't say anything bad about
1: smash no but we have to at least point out uh, <laughs> smash yeah hey. we already know <laughs> <laughs> you ever, we already asked this question remember
3: uh, JD Blackfoot broke out of St. That's Louis, right. and a band called Nectar broke out of St. That's Louis. Right. Nectar, Nectar. Yeah. Um, Heart broke out of St. Louis. Mm-hmm. It was a great band and is a great band. Uh, Supertramp broke out of St. Louis. That's People right. don't know that, but when they traveled, they were in the opening act of a, tri- of a triple header and in city after city they were shunned and not invited to the radio stations even though they made an appeal could we bring the band out well no 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 <laughs> and they came to st louis and uh we invited them to come out said oh sure come mm-hmm. on out And it was their their first album and i don't remember the title of the album but uh they came out and some years later they told me what a rush that was yeah that's another band by the way that broke out of st <laughs> louis a band called rush <laughs> uh, they did a Valentine's show, which uh, ex- which uh, wound up being two nights in the, um, well, three nights, I'm sorry, three nights in the Keele Auditorium. Right, All three yeah. were sold out. Yeah, had a Valentine's party, and it wound up being three, it lasted three nights long, no and 31 people uh, totally attended that. What, what about Springsteen, Shelley? Do you have any memories? Of yeah, Springsteen, Ambassador Theater, which uh, we had a lot of shows there. Uh, that was a particular night that um, that I was awarded a plaque from Contemporary Productions for some kind of service that Casey had, uh, had uh, done. But Springsteen was the headliner that night, and as you remember, John, that's a, that was a 3,000-seater. Yeah. And uh, Springsteen was starting out at that occasion, and of course, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's history. Uh, BTO started out in St. Louis. Right.
2: So the Ambassador Theater I mean, I I know, yeah. I think the Grateful Dead have played there. I think even you, too, have played there. Is that the place still around? That, no. Is that on the campus of Wash U? Was No, that no, one? no, it was downtown. Oh, that it was, was downtown. downtown. Ambassador Theater. Yeah,
1: I want to say it was Washington Avenue, maybe. My, my memory's kind of fading on that. But I can remember also going to a show there and getting out late at night, and something somehow I ended up being late uh, getting out of the, the show, everybody else was gone, and I uh, was trying to catch a bus on Washington Avenue downtown uh,
2: in 19. Uh, uh, I don't know. It was you old, wouldn't do that now. You wouldn't do it now. You, no. you, I shouldn't
1: have been doing it then. I remember being scared to death.
2: <laughs> you know what's funny though, hearing about Bruce. You know Bruce is on Broadway right now, doing his yeah. thing for the rest of the year. It's just kind of crazy. Yeah, Fun and
3: uh, has done a great job. April Wine. Uh, I've got some bands here uh, that go way back, and a girl named Cheryl Dilcher Oh yeah, you remember yeah, Cheryl? Right. You know, and uh, she did very well in St. Louis. Maybe, maybe this was the only city she did real well at. But um, these are some of them. It was the only city she did <laughs> real well in.
1: And, and as a matter of fact, she eventually ended up marrying the son of the mayor of the city of St. Louis at the time, A.J. Cervani's.
2: I remember him.
3: Yeah, his son wow. either married her or they were living uh, wow, lovers for a really?
1: long
0: time. Yeah, that's forms of bands that broke really, literally broke in St. Louis. Well, that's one of the reasons we've been able to be here for years. Fleetwood 22. Mac. Yeah. Oh, sure.
3: How about, how We're about Aerosmith?
0: It. We're getting ready to play some duets. Aerosmith
3: was really popular. They didn't break necessarily out of St. Louis. Uh-huh. A very popular band, and uh, their resurgence has been a phenomenon. Indeed. Uh, I never thought they would regroup, come back, and be as strong right. as they are, and I follow rock and roll still. Uh, they, they, they didn't break out of St. Louis, but they certainly are popular here.
1: Shelley loved rock and roll music after, after a while. Before he got into the radio station, he was selling insurance. Wow. Had no idea how to program a radio station or do anything with a radio station or sell a radio station and didn't know the music whatsoever either. So he became a fan just like uh, you know anybody else who would who'd be working here for a while. But he learned on the job. And the documentary that Ron Stevens just recently put out about the radio station, mm-hmm. um, which is called Never Say Goodbye, talks about how this radio station was formulated by amateurs. It was run by amateurs. Sure Everybody was learning on the job. Even the general manager, the (laughs) boss, who we're talking to right now, when when he jumped on the air, he would say, give me 30 minutes of nonstop rock. (laughs) So we had to do what the boss said. So we played 30
0: minutes of nonstop music.
2: That's one of the reasons we've been
0: here for 22 years, and that is giving you the best of the old and the best of the new. It's KC95 with the latest from Pump
2: Aerosmith. Wow, so he they, they went into Janie's got a gun. And that was new Aerosmith at the time. That is yes. that's that's crazy to hear. Yeah. I love it. So it was
1: great hearing Shelley talk about the different bands that broke out of St. Louis. A lot of them were obscure groups and and never really materialized. Like the Cheryl
2: Dilcher. Was the song called High or something uh, like that? One called
1: High uh, Together is another yeah there's yeah. three Casey classics I played from her.
2: It's just great, you know, you know, I've only only been with the station 27 years but there was so much history before I started in 1991 yeah, yeah. and people long-time listeners that are, are listening to this podcast and they're hearing Shelly today and they're hearing you know how Casey bands I mean it's got to be really exciting for them because yeah. I'm sure they were around yeah when it happened
1: and again he was very influential as I said in the music business back then it's it's hard to understate it but it's, uh, uh, easy to forget you know right. it, it, because a lot of time has gone by and and these bands have gone on to be super mega superstar a lot of But you know bands. what they all and- mention him yeah, that's yeah. To I this mean, day. Yeah. If you Neil Schoen. Right. Uh, uh, if
2: you if you interview them, they'll say, yeah, man, I remember Shelly Grafton. Sure.
1: Paul yeah. Stanley. Uh, you go to our Casey Rock and Roll uh, Real Rock Museum mm-hmm. and you'll see the appreciation that those guys have for, for Shelly and, and what he did for the radio
0: station and their careers. And we have Shelly Graffman in the studio with us here. One of the men responsible for putting Casey on the air 22 years ago, general manager at that time. Uh, as the days went on, and you remember all the way back to the first anniversary show, which started at the fifth anniversary. Give yes, us a, I do. Give yeah. us a list of all the acts that have played anniversary shows okay. as you can remember, Shelley.
3: Well, the fifth one was in uh, 1972, and as I mentioned a little earlier this morning, we had Rory Gallagher and John McLaughlin and the right. Mahavishnu. We didn't have a birthday party that we celebrated in uh, for the sixth birthday. We resumed in the seventh. Uh, at that occasion, we had Hartsfield. And Kiss and T-Rex. No kidding. It was quite a potpourri of sound. <laughs> uh, the eighth birthday party featured a fellow from England named David Essex. And wow. Journey was on that show. That was the show that Journey drove across the country to to play on that show. For $500. For $500. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they were thrilled. They drove across the country. Yeah. And after the show, they got in their van and uh, uh, their station wagon. They drove back to San Francisco. Think about that.
1: Journey. They drove from that San Francisco band. to St. Louis for that show for and that then went show. back.
2: It's he said it was 74, 75. So that was Journey before Steve Perry. Right. That's how far back Neil Sean goes with Casey.
1: Right. And, and you're talking about a Neil Sean who was in, uh, in Santana. He wasn't a nobody at the time either, right. really.
2: And they knew he was a good player.
1: Yeah. yeah. The
3: ninth birthday party uh, featured Kansas and the Ozark Mountain Daredevils. Mm-hmm. That was a great show. The 10th featured Robin Trower, Lake, and Prism. Lake, what a great band that, that was. was. Yeah. A great band, we had right? somebody call and request something yeah. from Lake yesterday. Yeah. Is that right? Uh, Robin Trower has is, uh, is, uh, continued to enjoy uh, success right. and attraction here in St. Louis. The 11th birthday party was um, uh, Marshall Tucker, Trooper,
0: and Sea level No, You know, Marshall Tucker is going to be out in Breeze, Illinois this uh, Saturday night. Is that right?
1: How yes about sir, those great shows over at MRF? That's for, We'll talk about that later. But okay. man, there was some What's great the name great of that place? Mississippi
3: River Festival is
0: what yeah, it was. Uh, uh, right. SIU
3: Edwardsville, the, the school there, used to put them on. Uh, Continuing with the 12th birthday party featured Foreigner and Gamma, which was uh, Ronnie Montrose, Mm -hmm. uh, and the Michael Stanley Band was the opening act for that, uh, for the 12th birthday party. The 13th party was the Allman Brothers, and Michael Stanley returned, and then the 14th birthday party, which is the last one I have um, to record here, that I I was uh, involved in uh, was the Moody Blues. And that was a classic. No that kidding. was all by themselves. They started out and did uh, two and a half hours, and it was spectacular.
0: Mm-hmm. All kinds of great rock and roll that we've uh, been associated with for the last 22 years. Quickly, Shelly Grafman, uh, I don't really know the, the initial story. How in the world did they come to pick sweetmeat as a mascot for this radio station? Well, <laughs> Sweet, Meat, uh, Sweet Meat was uh, lifted off
3: an album jacket. Oh, uh, so, uh Blodwyn Pig. Blodwyn Pig. Pig. Right. That's right. I was thinking, John. Thank you. Uh, Blodwyn Pig, which was a birdie, was, was a John. British group. I doubt yep. very much if
2: they're still. <laughs> I love how he said lifted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as opposed to <laughs> stole it, but uh, yeah. Same thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Shelley was very, uh, he was a very smart guy, uh, very careful with his wordage when he's talking. I don't know if you can tell that. Oh, no, I, you.
2: I, I, I could tell yeah. it he's very just like, right, he's into it, you yeah.
1: know. Oh, yeah, this was a big day for him. As I, told, yeah. as I said earlier, Casey was sold out from underneath him, and he had no idea it was coming. Mm. And it broke his heart because it was his life. Right. So this time he came on the air that day, this was the first time he'd ever been back on Casey uh, since that sale. And uh, it was emotional for him. Wow.
3: You know. So he really took it seriously. Existence. But we lifted Sweet Meat off their jacket and adopted it. And we thought very little of it, except it was kind of a unique uh, uh, picture of the pig with the headphones and whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. We put it on about 500. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. We put uh, Sweet Meat on about 500 T-shirts, and we spread them around town. And two, three days later, everywhere we had put them, they were out of them. Right. They had sold them, and they were out of them. And so we ordered another 500. To make a long story short, we wound up, uh, the station wound up over a period of years of selling over a quarter of a million yeah. uh, T-shirts that had sweet meat. And you'd see sweet meat all over the world. Yeah, I know. Uh, t-shirts and jerseys and yeah. bumper stickers. But T-shirts particularly, people would come back to St. Louis from Japan or Hong Kong or from Germany or England or... Or South America, and they would say, I saw sweetmeat at, uh, at a yeah. party or on the beach or whatever. Right. And uh, it was a rush, and uh, sweetmeat became very uh, classic.
2: Well, yeah, and uh, Bloodwood Pig didn't get one penny of any of this. <laughs> you know, he's funny. He's talking about that, how it's all over the world, and this was back in 1989. It's still the same thing to this day. It is, yeah. You know? Yeah people from all over the world especially the military love to put bumper stickers on you know tanks or whatever we've seen the pictures and yeah. and um, you know I, I think my first experience was in 1985 in Chicago I wore a sweetmeat shirt to a Springsteen show up there and people recognized it in Chicago and that's just you know yeah I was 20 years old I was like really you know this station
1: yeah we still have some classic photos on our on our uh, in our museum on the on the website that uh, features uh, guys from Bands, big stars wearing KC yeah. t-shirts back in the day.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We meet KC 95, the St. Louis classic, The Birds right there, right here on our 22nd anniversary. It is about 8 o'clock in the morning, and in the studio with us here is Shelley Grafman. He is a uh, former general manager of KC 95 during the, uh, well, from, what, first year to... 67 to 84. To 84. General manager, 67 to 84, and you were a salesman in the sales department. From first when. two years, 67 to 68. Okay, let, let's ask Rio real, real quick, because uh, when you first had Casey on the air... And how in the world did you go out as a salesman to sell rock and roll to some of these guys? Very reluctantly, yeah. Who, who would say no? I'm not going to advertise with those hippies, those derelicts. Yeah, you're right, hippies. No, it was hippies, right? Yeah. Long-haired freaks. Isn't right. its not it amazing how we have grown up and now we are the responsible generation? Yeah, making those car payments, those house payments, taking care of our kids, got all the money and spending it. Except, <laughs> except of course, for the you man over there who still maintains his very sim- popper like lifestyle. Yes. <laughs> when you g- give me a good story about the U Man, did you ever like <laughs> catch him in the boiler room doing anything? Or? John, no, no John, what? boiler, John? A boi- was, uh, was really uh, very uh, First, responsible.
2: A boiler. First, there is no boiler room at a radio station, <laughs>
1: <laughs> not that place, especially down in Crestwood. Now, the transmitter
3: room, maybe, uh, maybe. things could have happened there, right? But I'm not going to comment on that. Little well, young yeah. man, uh, he's he's you know, deteriorated since. <laughs> oh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's become decadent. No, and all that was all natural, though. Yeah, a... <laughs> but uh, no, John was very responsible always on time did a great job
0: wonderful uh, to work with what were the you qualities that, that said to you I want to hire this guy to be on Casey his voice oh really yeah it was his voice Un- unlike what we heard earlier I was going
1: to say play <laughs> zing again yeah, <laughs> only, yeah,
3: unlike that, but,
1: the, but, no, see, his that voice, but that tape was my beginning days at Broadcast Center oh, okay. Shelly heard a, a little bit better yeah.
3: version I, s- I heard something there
1: yeah <laughs> indeed and, and Shelly's of course hired uh, most of the people that uh, have worked at Casey if
3: you hired yeah. Al Hofer yeah right um, Did you hire Al Hofer? Dalton. Holfer? Dalton. Did
0: you hire Al Hofer because
3: uh, He came of out, the, out of the broadcast school, too. Out of, uh, yeah, and Ray Rich Boys. Radio Rich? Radio Rich. Yeah, radio. radio Rich uh, was uh, around town, and we hired Radio.
0: Some Rich. of the other guys who work at other stations, you you hired them because everybody at one point in time seems, at least in St. Louis, to have worked at KC95. This
3: is kind of the route to uh, some success for, uh, for several guys. Yeah. Joel Myers. Well, yeah, I saw Joel Myers on uh, the tube recently uh, doing uh, NBC, isn't it? NBC football? NBC football. right? No kidding. It was uh, really thrilled to see him yeah. there. Uh, another fellow that's made it very big in the record industry is Brother Love, Richard Palmisi. He's an um, executive vice president with MCA. He was on the air here mornings in 1968. Mm-hmm. Brother hmm. Love. Myers did the news and did some air work uh, in the early 70s. Uh, and he's come a long way. He went out west.
0: Who was that jock who recently passed away? What was his name? <laughs> That's oh, Prince uh,
3: Knight. Prince Knight. He
0: yeah. was, wasn't he with yeah. k Right.
3: Yeah, he did mornings, too, for uh-huh. many, many years.
0: Uh, he was a re- had a remarkable voice. I, I, people still call and reminisce about Prince Knight.
1: Right. And you know another, uh, and we don't get a lot of calls uh, involving this gentleman, but he was very instrumental during some of the... the uh, growing days of casey especially when casey really started picking up steam in this town and that was ron stevens oh stevens that's right Steve- yeah. stevens.
3: stevens is doing mornings with joy uh in new york I don't no know. they're not doing that anymore. oh i'm sorry I yeah and corrected well you were you were
1: right it's, yeah. it's like about a month balls. ago oh. there was a change in that status they're not working for did you hear me correct the boss
0: you did yeah i, yeah. Got, ball, I got balls
1: <laughs> sister station in new york anymore
0: oh i see they're out but, there. Uh, they're doing their own and they have a comedy service that they give out around the nation i see but he was very
3: instrumental. He had uh, what was the sideshow was a big feature. He there. had the sideshow, and he also, he also had uh, "You're Coming Home" with Ron Stevens was his uh, calling card. Right. He did the sideshow. They later on went into some comedies, as you mentioned, a comedy.
1: Vaz, you need to do that. Uh, what, what, what is it? it your calling home? card. Your calling card. My calling card is AMF. Bitch. Yeah, but, yeah but <laughs> <laughs> that's my calling card. Yeah, but shouldn't it be "You're Coming Home" with Guy Fawkes? <laughs> no.
3: <laughs> All right, if you say so. No out of California.
1: Right Would you say that Ron
3: Stevens was the guy who, who really started bringing personality radio into FM? I'd say that's a good statement, John. He uh, had has tremendous personalities, quick, and he's just uh, resourceful and uh, very charming. And then you hired Joy to, to work in the morning.
1: Joy was in the morning. But she kind of came out of nowhere. She was just doing weekends, and it was right. people were thinking, well...
3: The next person in line would probably get that. But well, she was good. You put the, uh, the woman in there, yeah, and it was an instant woman. hit. Right. We got a lot of uh, press and publicity and notoriety from the fact is that we had a woman on the air in the mornings. Later on, many, many AOR stations and other stations across the across the land have uh, introduced uh, broadcasting uh, opportunities for women. But we were one of the first,
0: and mm-hmm. with joy, and she uh, was on the air mornings for some time. Well, you're talking about uh, Mr. Stevens, Ron Stevens, bringing personality radio onto the airwaves. I ask you now to bask at personality news this man. Here we go, Shelly. I'll try my go. best. <laughs> <laughs> try my
2: best. It is news time. Every day, Shelly. Every- <laughs> news-
0: Smash and I had a good time together. Smash was we- great.
1: We had fun working together. Yeah,
2: out. and this story. That you're about to read, because I just listened to it, is, is priceless. <laughs> and I think if you read this today, it would still be funny. <laughs> I need to, like, recycle some of these. And, uh, <laughs> that is good. This brought to you good. by
0: Boot Village Western Wear. And here with the personality news, Mr. John Hewlett. Thank you so, so
1: very, very much, Smash. You know, uh, 29 people were injured last Saturday when a, uh, when a Korean Airlines... Fokker 728 crashed. Now the name of the plane really is Fokker, F-O-K-K-E-R. Huh. It was taken off from Seoul, South Korea. One witness reported the Fokker lost power and that the Fokker's wing hit the ground before the Fokker caught on fire. Survivors said, we were lucky to get out of that Fokker alive.
0: Okay. <laughs> Personality news. <laughs> was oh, <is> he terrible? <laughs> this is
3: outrageous. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Shelly would have fired me five years ago if I'd have read that story. You wouldn't like have that.
1: made it past the first month. But but it really is an airplane called yeah, Fokker. F O K K E R. You're going to get corrections on that, John. Okay. Anyway, the real news. This is the real news. Here's what's going on in the world.
2: How did Smash keep a straight face while you were reading that? I don't know. I mean, because he he's a giggler all the time. You know, KC95 with
0: a band there that helped helped. Honestly, is, is a back and forth thing. Help make KC95, and at the same time, KC95 helped make them into the mega stars that uh, they were and still are. And that is REO Speedwagon, of course, just before that rocking and rolling here with Boston. Shelly Grafman in the studio with us here, General Manager of KC95 for so many years. And uh, let's just go to the phone lines here. We're reminiscing about these last 22 years. Go ahead, you're on. Okay, I wanted to ask Shelly if you remember KC's first kite flying contest and what year that was. And- Go ahead, well, the,
3: uh the f- the first kite fly, uh, I remember the band. I do remember Blue Oyster Cult was scheduled to play at uh, one of the early kite flies, and it rained that day, and they never got out. We had thousands of people out at Art Hill. But uh, that's my recollection of the early kite fly. So
1: there were three kite flies back then. We've only really heard about the, uh, the, the one that's The Kitson f- Rush one. Yes, and then the Charlie Daniels Daniels one. one. Those are the two we've heard we, the most because the crowd says
2: he played with Charlie at one of the kite flies.
1: There were two kite flies that were held on the, um, the field there or the softball fields right across from the old arena. Right. And those were hugely attended. Were, Shelley's talking about one that happened prior to that on that, Art Hill. He yeah, said Art Hill. Yeah. That I was I was not aware of. Yeah. Um, let me get back to the kite fly here. Yeah. The uh, the kite fly that that got us national attention.
3: Was oh, that was Charlie Daniels. Charlie Daniels. And that drew 80,000 people at uh, in the park. At Forest Park. In Forest Park. That was 75. Mm-hmm. The year before that, we had, I think it was Rush and Kiss. Mm-hmm. I think it was Rush with Kiss. And now, that drew 40,000. That made Russian network Kiss. news. Yeah, though. that made CBS Dan Rather net. Which one? Wow. The Charlie Daniels one did. Yeah, right. Charlie the, the Daniels. 80,000 people. It was right? on at 6 wow. o'clock that night. What did, the, what did Dan Rather say? Do you remember? He said a uh, radio station in St. Louis uh, put on a free uh, concert in the park, and they had a helicopter with, that did the footage. And then they showed the footage of the massive amount of people uh, in the Forest Park, about 80 or 90,000. And he went on to say that traffic was was boxed up uh, three miles in all directions and was chaos, but uh, no injuries and no, uh, no bad news. You, you had to be busting your buttons after that one. I mean, that was just that a was tremendous yeah, success. Yeah, we stopped after that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we did. We stopped.
1: W- w- did, you, did you have to stop or did uh, you make the decision to stop? i tell you what, we,
3: we, John, we, we, we breathed a sigh of relief, really, and... Uh, and was glad it came off uh, as well as it did without anybody getting hurt. What about the alumni, Shelley? What about uh, some of the past guys that have worked here? Uh, Bob Birch was on the air. Gary Colander what, for about what, five
1: What's what's Bob Birch doing? Bob now?
3: Uh, he recently bought he and some people recently bought a, a AM FM combination station down in Joplin, Missouri. And he's an
1: irritating pickleball player. And <laughs> his partner at times. He just, he has no patience. Uh, AM, FM combo.
3: Mm-hmm. I spoke to Bob a couple of weeks ago, as a matter of fact, to congratulate him on uh, purchasing. I did too. He's
1: goofy. He's crazy. One time we were coming out of a pickleball place. He's got this water bottle, okay? And we he, he finished drinking it at my car. Instead of getting in the car and putting it in, you know, I guess, a bag or something, he just threw it in the grass. Oh, no, that's not cool. That's not cool. <laughs> that's really not cool. I, and I said, what are you doing?
2: And he what?
1: What? This is a 68-year-old man. Wow. And what yeah.
2: year? when did this happen? About a month
3: ago. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sir Ed was on in the mornings uh, for many years. Steve Rosen was uh, a member of the alumni. Lou Go, David Allen, Joel Myers, who's doing NBC football. Uh, John Roberts, Sam Kaiser was on with us for many, many years. Sam Kaiser's done well in the music yeah. business,
2: yeah. in the
1: record business.
3: Big time. Is he still with
2: Atlantic? you remember Sam Kaiser? I know Sam Kaiser from um, Royal Bliss. The band that we play that we're currently playing now he was the one that kind of pushed them to us back when we played their first single i don't know how many years ago it was it was like yeah. eight or nine years ago but i've talked to the on the phone with sam many times and he has great memories of casey and he loves the cardinals yeah and he loves coming to town whenever he can come yeah i'll be darned. i had yeah. no
1: idea he was still in the music business Yeah, mm-hmm.
3: still is sam kaiser mm-hmm. Well, and there was a fellow named uh, mark cooper Uh, Jim Singer, Ted Hobbick, Don Corey did nights uh, for many, many years with us. David Rhodes, I think I mentioned, he was from the Bahamas, had a great British accent. Oh, yeah. Those are some of the names uh, that that are of them. Joe
1: Mason, of course, uh, was hired by you. He's now working for the competing station. Yes. And uh, after you left, of course, J.C. Corcoran did mornings here, I guess, Mm -hmm. a couple years, two years,
3: and uh, tremendous success there. Mark Close? Uh, Mark,
1: uh, he Mark Close? How can we forget Mark yeah. Close? Yeah. My
3: gosh. Yeah, Mark started as a uh, as an errand boy here. I think he was no about kid. 17 or 18. He was an errand boy at KSHE and he did uh, did a lot of knit-net stuff until he got a shot at uh, being on the air. He's well, still an errand boy, right? Yeah, in a lot of ways. <laughs> he, he really is.
1: Matter of fact, I think he's supposed to pick up my cleaning later today.
3: <laughs> overnight weekends. We've which been, was a big mistake, Shelly. Yeah. <laughs> Very big mistake. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. yeah, we saw the talent with Mark and buried him overnight weekends. But uh, he rose above that and, <laughs> and, yeah, and has a, come out a long ways. Yeah, he, uh,
1: he did middays for a long time. I think yeah. he worked just about every air shift except yeah, nights. Exactly. Which is where he belongs.
0: <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> we're talking with Shelly Grafman here, and uh, we will continue our reminiscing about Casey as we celebrate our 22nd year here today. Shelly Graffman's in the studio with us here at quarter in front of nine o'clock and uh shelly i i had heard of this uh this lady and people keep asking but i never actually heard her on the air what's the name of the old lady uh ruth That's hutchinson who used to be a dj here. ruth hutchinson right and what was her story how'd she get on the air and what was that well ruth
3: hutchinson um she came in one day to buy some tickets she's uh, she was 82 years old and she walked into the station to buy some tickets for her grandson i believe it was mm-hmm. and uh we were kind of taken back with this lady uh, we asked her, you know, what brought you out here? And she said, well, I'm buying, I'm buying some tickets to a concert for my, uh, my grandson. And uh, we thought it was just novel. We asked her to come in. We, could we uh, give her? She uh, took a cup of coffee or a soft drink. And then we decided, um, wouldn't it be nice and novel to do a couple of KC promos? Uh, Ruth Hutchison, I always listen to KC. Totally cosmic was her favorite expression. Yeah. But uh, she was the beginning of you're never too old to rock and roll. And what started out as kind of just a lark, we uh, taped a couple of promotions with her, and Ruth uh, enjoyed it, and we enjoyed it. We went on the air with it. We had a flood of calls. Who is this lady? Yeah. <laughs> and um, over the next uh, couple of years, we had Ruth, and uh, int- we introduced her at concerts, and she was just well, just oh, just brought embraced. Yeah, brought the house down. Yeah, the house down. Yeah. Uh, we introduced her at the Valentine's party, at the birthday party. She did. Then she did a show, and then. Uh, uh, a, a 30 minute or an hour show in which she hosted a uh, a show each week uh, it was sponsored too by the way yeah. and it drew a big crowd and she would talk about the birds and about the who and rolling stones and the new release from uh, whatever yeah. and uh, never it was
1: got a, into the birds and the bees though no 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 i no, no, no.
3: wouldn't do that different era and right. ruth was just a big hit with kay she, she, Is she still living no she's not living no she anymore, not. Uh, she passed at age 89 or 90 i no believe kidding. it was and
1: she was the mother of the lady who was our sales manager at the time, Nancy Poole. Ah, I've heard that name. Yes. Yes, I have. And Nancy Poole, she was, a, she was a tough lady. She was a tough lady, not, uh, not very popular at the radio station. Would you say employees. she's a
2: bitch, John? Well, I <laughs> say that, no. Okay.
0: Uh, but
1: some would, maybe, okay. but uh, not on this podcast, I'm not going to say that.
0: One of the things that Casey was renowned for around the nation was helping local talent get big. One of the greatest success stories ever was Mama's Pride.
1: That was my lone classic this morning uh, at 6 o'clock.
0: We're on the air this morning with former general manager and one of the guys who got this station on the airways, Mr. Shelley Grafman, and we are just reminiscing some great, great things here. Let's go to the phones. 95, you are on the air. Hi, I've got a question. Has any KC stuff
2: actually become collectible?
3: Yeah, KC stuff is collectible items, yeah, sure. No, I, I know the, the bumper stickers with the peace signer. Oh, that's a collector's item. Do you Absolutely. have one of those? Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, I, I have a, a t- My T-shirt has, uh, says KC 95, Real Rock Radio. Has the pig... With the glasses and the cigarette. It's well, an old one. That's an old one. That sure is an old one, and it's uh, it's a collectible item, absolutely.
1: That wasn't a cigarette, by the, the way. The cigarette. I love it. You
3: yeah. should not wash oh, it with the regular T-shirts then, right? Well, I think just don't let the cigarette
0: could die out on you. <laughs> okay. Just, hey, thanks a lot. Okay. Right. okay. You're on the air. Go <laughs> ahead. Yes, I have a question. Um, I was wondering if uh, Casey was instrumental uh, back in 1974, 75, uh, bringing the band uh, Kraftwerk in. Down at the
3: Ambassador. Well, we're yeah, instrumental. yeah, we were. That was Panther Productions, Ron Powell's or company. But all those shows at the Pan, at the Ambassador Theater, Casey was involved in. From the standpoint of promotion, uh, we didn't actually have a financial interest in them, but we were, we were the the uh, promotion entity in connection with those shows.
1: Shelley, um, you mentioned Ron Powell. He was a, a concert promoter here yes. in, in town, and and one of the big ones in the early days. And he was in competition with Contemporary Productions, right? Right. And, what, what all came about in that? How come Contemporary Productions has now become the dominant concert promoter in St. Louis?
3: Well, it's a very easy answer, John. Uh, Ron Powell uh, had some other problems, and uh, he abandoned the concert business and left town. And so he uh, left the gates wide open for Contemporary to step in and take the whole pie, per se, and uh, become the entity that they have uh, become. Now, there was a day when Irv Zuckerman and Steve Shankman, who were two, the,
1: two, uh, the two men, the two owners of, of the company, they would come in and handle the c- ticket count and ticket yes. sales themselves yes and so did Ron Powell and they have kind of grown their company's kind of grown
3: with KC 95 they I'm have dramatically That's an accurate, uh, an accurate statement is they've grown dramatically to where now they have a separate entity handle all the tickets and it's done by computer and all that yep. business years ago used to count those
1: tickets nowadays uh, um, Ron Powell was in trouble uh, for uh, it was fraud embezzlement things like that he got caught those are big in, things yes he got caught up in a lot of different legal issues but uh, he was one of those free spirit guys that was you know, was just trying to make a living off uh, an art form that was evolving and, and and changing and and becoming you know huge, and but he just didn't have his stuff together to, to, to make it work. Now Steve Shankman and and uh, Irv, Zuckerman. Irv Zuckerman, they they were smart dudes and they were they were they were partying too. I mean they right. were having their fun too, especially Irv. I love Irv. Irv's yeah. still a good friend of mine, but uh, they were able to keep it together enough to to. End up growing Contemporary Productions to the point where they sold it for like eighty million dollars each. Got forty million a
2: piece on that. Right, and, to, deal. and today it's Live Nation, if you will. Yeah, I mean that, that's that's who it is. Yeah,
1: Live Nation uh, Contemporary vo- Productions was was bought by Live yes. Nation.
0: Uh, you you're you you can not go backstage to to hang with with the artists very few artists but back in the days uh, did, yeah. when when you were at KC 95 you could yeah. just hang out backstage with bob seger with bruce Springsteen. yeah we did <coughs> we did oh yeah you hung out that's well
3: stated you hung out backstage you got to know all these artists yeah. and they were glad to know you too and then yeah. they all came out to the station they'd hang out two three hours at the station sometimes the day of the show sometimes the day before the show or yeah. after the show
0: yeah, you know, uh, that reminds me of the Billy Joel story that you told me when I first came to KC95, he just drove up in a, in an old Rambler or something like that?
3: I'm not sure, but I
1: think he hitchhiked to the radio station, because he got out of an old green yeah. car, and I don't think it was a taxi cab, yeah. because I didn't see anything anything that told me it was a cab. There was nothing on the top, not written on the side, so I figured he had hitchhiked to the radio station. Mm. And he comes walking down, and, and even then, I had, must admit, I didn't really know who he was. He looked somewhat familiar from the, you know, the Piano Man album cover yeah. has his picture on the front. Yeah. I kind of know this guy. And he comes up, he goes, yeah, I'm Billy Joel. I'm here uh, to do an interview. We came in and Mark Close did the interview and we did the interview. And during the course of the interview, we were talking about uh, boxing. And on the back of the the, the album that has That's right. only the the good Die Young on it, and uh, it's, the name of it escapes me right now, but uh, there's some, some boxing gloves hanging on the wall. And uh, he said, yeah, i like That's to right. spar once in a while. And at that time, I had some boxing gloves in my car so uh we you, went outside
0: you're you a pugilist
1: yes yeah, so i was getting into the uh <laughs> you were a somewhat into the box <laughs> yeah i forgot about this part of the story i've told the story about billy joel coming down the uh the, the driveway at the crestwood uh, facility there and getting out of the car that he had hitchhiked uh, to and it was a green rambler yeah and uh i forgot about the whole thing about the boxing gloves afterwards did you all right, I guess we'll hear you're what happened. yes, are going to hear, yes. <laughs> I guess you might say. Yeah, of course, you know, beating up my mother and oh, yes, father <laughs> and family members. So um, we went outside. He put the gloves on
0: and pounded on me a little while. I no, could, okay. uh, oh, i could have beat his ass if I wanted yeah, to. Of course respect for well, the man. for the artist Shelley. uh when you first put KC 95 in that studio over there in in crestwood mm-hmm. uh you of course had what at that time i think was probably state-of-the-art equipment and you look uh, <laughs> <laughs> am, am, am right? yeah <laughs> scotch tape yeah is that what it
3: was yeah it because was fair.
0: everybody tells me about the old studios and and what a uh it
3: was remarkable that we stayed on the air as, yeah. as often as we did and john w-
1: in, in in music philosophy when you were picking music shelly didn't if it didn't get on if it got on the air it had to go past you first would you say that's pretty accurate? That's
3: an accurate statement. Okay. yeah.
1: yeah. Um, <laughs> you, you had your philosophies on picking the music that would be played on KC-95 and would then become successful
3: in time. What were they? Well, I felt that, that it had to have certain dynamics. It had to be fresh. It had to be innovative. The, the things that you looked for was a sound that uh, you hadn't heard over and over again by other bands, and we would search for that type of sound. As an example, we found Nectar with Remember the Future. There was a dynamic there that was just incredible,
0: Remember uh, Star Castle?
3: But, well, Star Castle, Star Castle yeah. They, they were kind of a yes rip-off. I think a yeah, lot of yeah, people I, thought right, they were. Yeah, that's right, that's yeah. right. Go ahead, Shelly. But uh, you would look for dynamics, and you would look for freshness. You would look for innovative uh, energy, uh, sound. Energy, I mean, tell you I what, I, you, I, thought energy, I always considered you a headbanger. Uh, well, no, I was, uh, was more an energy. I'll tell you what, you could take a song like Uriah Heep, Salisbury. It's a 16-minute track. It yeah. came out in 1970. Mm-hmm. There's dynamics in that track that just blow you away. But I also was into Super Tramp, very strong. I was into Yes... These are album sides where you could play the whole album yeah. side. And K. she would do that. We would play an entire album side of these albums and uh, uh, 16, 18, 19-minute tracks where you had dynamics that just would just uh, uh, capture uh-huh. your head. Yeah. yeah um and that's the kind of music you look for now we had nothing against a three minute song right there were many of those mm-hmm. but uh, it was it was
0: uh, five and six minutes you know you uh, uh weren't in the studios uh, usually late at night uh, i can remember playing those 16 to 24 minute songs and uh Going down to White Castle, <laughs> so grabbing a bunch yeah. of burgers and yeah. listening yeah. to the song <laughs> really? all the way.
1: I did that. I, I put a long song on and went down to uh, Jack's yeah, or a big old cheeseburger. Wow. Try back up. Is that the place
2: and, where you threw peanuts on the floor? Yeah, that's, right. It? Yeah, that's yeah.
1: right. it was right down the street on Watson Road there. And uh, you just keep your fingers crossed that that record wouldn't <laughs> stick the whole time. And you had your radio on, you know, as you drove to the place.
0: Yep. And getting the burgers and, and just hoping it wouldn't skip. I yeah. did air shots, by the way. Oh, you uh, did? I didn't
3: think you knew that, Smith. I didn't know that. For about five or six years, I did Saturdays and Sundays, afternoons. Really? And uh, there was many a night I spent all night at the station listening to new music and uh, finding the songs that I wanted. Really? Uh, And, you know, you you just got a big rush if you had it accepted by the public. If St. Louis rock community accepted, you felt, wow, you know, it would just reinforce your... Your musical judgment you the, the man, best he, the best
1: compliment you could get when you were on there at that time it was man you're playing some good music exactly. that, that was all that, that mattered at that time right.
0: is this the same guy who you uh told me when i first came to KC was a guy that you guys used to call Wolfman shelley no no no
1: <laughs> <that was> not, <laughs> no connection somebody told no connection no, at all no. but you know people have, over the years have come up to me and and they still listen to the station they like the station a lot but they say, Casey has changed over the years, and of course you change. You evolve. We've all evolved. That's, yeah. you know, hence, we have the contest we have now. You send a picture of what I you used to look Casey. like and, and what you look like now. So, yeah. of course, there's been change. But um, I, I think it's important for people to realize that if you don't continue to play new music, then you just get stale and old, and then the end is not far beyond. Behind, I think that's, behind. that's
0: the key to 20.
1: Did you just say that? I used back to say then?
2: that. Yes, I used to say that all the time. Okay. I, um, well, I, I totally agree, and and let's let's cut that part out and and just <laughs> save it. <laughs> uh, yeah, for our bosses. Yeah, I mean,
1: programming a radio station is hard, man. It yeah. really is. And, and how much new music you play versus how much old music you play, it's very difficult. And you know in this competitive environment we have right now, it's it's uh it's important that we reinforce what we are. And that's a classic, a high energy, classic rock station.
2: Exactly. And you just can't spend whatever you want to spend. It just would not work today. Back then it did. Yeah. and People would like to see that come back. Right. But if, but if we would do that, Casey would be off the air.
1: Well, I don't know if we'd be off the air, but I don't think our ratings would be strong. And that's and that and we're judged by that.
2: We're judged by ratings hence, every day. Hence, we'd be off the air. <laughs> well, yeah, eventually. Yeah. Two years,
1: best of the old, best of the new. Right. And uh, uh, we, we always played a lot of new music back in the old days. We'd probably play uh, more
0: new music back then than we do now. I say that's a safe state, a statement. But yes. that's a safe statement because yeah. it was all new music was, back then. And you know, people, Right. And people say, part? well,
1: you change, you know, uh, you've changed. No, the music has changed. I yeah. mean, there was a time, we're talking about times now, Shelley, when... When Bob Seeger was just played by this radio station. Yeah. yeah. Well, Bob Seeger's played by a bunch of radio stations yeah. now. So it's not that we changed; It's that the music has changed. The artists have come along. They've all Presentation tried, to, tried to get uh, well, mass appeal. And so they're played by a lot of other radio stations. So we may not sound as novel as we used to, but we haven't changed we that had
3: much. A, we had a uniqueness. Uh, you remember, the, uh, well, maybe you don't remember, but uh, the first time we played J.D. Blackfoot's Ultimate Prophecy, the phones burnt up for about 30 minutes, Because it's a a whole side, it was an incredible track, still remains to be. That's 1970, by the way. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when you play that type of music, it was just innovative, fresh, and different. It just engulfed your head. It just, you know, wrapped you up in sound. And uh, The Ultimate Prophecy was a a classic example of the type of songs and music, whether it was four and a half, six and a half, or 16 minutes long, if it had the ingredients of being uh, that type
0: of song, you'd go with it strong. Shelly Grafman's in the studio with us here, former general manager of KC 95 from the early days to about 1984, from 67 to 84. I imagine Shelly Grafman in the years that uh, you were general manager here, at KC, you gave away some wild prizes, did you not? Well, what kind of stuff? i ask, here? we gave away some crazy prizes. Yeah. Uh,
3: <laughs> I won't try to top you, but there are two that come to my mind real fast. Yeah. Uh, we had a contest where we gave away $10 million in cash. We failed to uh, we failed to introduce the fact that uh, this was shredded U.S. <laughs> currency. Shredded <laughs> yeah, it was shredded to millions of pieces uh, that. that the U.S. Mint does to money that they want to get rid of. Yeah. and so we had 10 million dollars of it, and we gave away. Uh, you know, it was a great. And oh, all yeah, all the promos, Casey gives away 10. Million, dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not to dwarf your twenty-five thousand. Yes, yes. No, no, offense <laughs> no. is indicated. I still have a bottle of that. They were in a little glass, yeah, jar glass really? jars. Yeah, glass jars. Yeah. Then we had another contest, which was really a kind of classic. We gave away a thousand pig pens. Now, pig pen. yeah, pig pens. This is for folks associated with the pig, of course, and this net. And and the promo indicated that these were great. They were good size, they were easy to keep clean, no problem, and they were just gorgeous and they wrote beautifully. Uh-huh. It was a little pen. A little pen. A little pen that had caching on it. We give away a thousand of those in a contest. I think the contest was called "I never won anything in my life." Contest, contest, and a lot of people responded to it because most people have never won anything in right, their life.
1: Right, right. Well, the money contest happened because our competitors were giving away money to try to buy ratings, and we never did that. So we were kind of, you know, spoofing them, and, and
2: still done today. Trying to buy people. By other radio stations. I mean, we really we've given away money here at KSH, but we don't we don't do it that often. Oh yeah. But but you hear a lot of other radio stations give away money still.
3: Right. Yeah. Right. Get a thousand people win something. They won a pig pen, their yeah. very own, They're easy very... to keep clean. Right, uh. <laughs> and <laughs> needless to say, we had hundreds of them laying around the
1: station for years <laughs> yeah, after that. Years and years. But uh but, but the the pimping of contests continues to this day. Of course, we just had our Thousand Island uh, oh yes. Thousand Island Thursday Thursday right, giveaway. Oh. Where we gave away. Thousand Island salad dressing, dressing every yes. hour. and uh, People got into that. Oh, that was, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Well, the pimping goes, has always been there, and we will always pimp. We will
0: always have fun with Ooh. our contests, whether they be the, the serious <laughs> side. Like for no money, about. though, for no money. Whether we're talking serious like uh, this uh, IROC-Z, which is a serious, serious prize, or whether we're doing some silly stuff like that electrical storm in a jar, whatever the case may be, everything in uh, between.
1: Another interesting uh,
0: contest that we had here at, at the station was the, um, was the auction. Oh, the Celebrity Auction? Celebrity Auction. I know nothing about this. What uh, memories will you conjure up here?
3: Well, the Celebrity Auction was held in, oh, mid-'70s in an effort to raise some money for the uh, Diabetic Children's Association of St. Louis. And we had great response from artists in that they supplied us with the items which were then um, uh, auctioned off. I'll give you a little list of some of the things that, uh, without boring you, with some of the things that we... Oh, that this, we did this receive. Is, this
0: is not boring. This we, is, this is yeah. great.
3: Well, we got Mick Jagger's little cap. It was a beautiful little pink cap, and uh, that was one of the highlights, uh, of course, uh, of the of the things that were auctioned off. We got Bob Seger's jacket, his tour jacket. Alice Cooper provided us with a live boa constrictor. It was a real snake? Yeah, yeah. 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 came in. A, in a, we kept somebody it.
0: bought a real snake? Yeah,
3: it, it did go, and it well, went for a big price. We yeah, got, they wanted it bad. We got uh, Tommy Shaw from Styx. He sent us his mandolin. Stevie Nicks sent us a gown. Hmm. Ian Anderson sent us a flute, uh, which was great. That drew a lot of money. Yeah, Chuck yeah. Berry gave us a guitar. Wow. Charlie Daniels sent us his fiddle. Dan Aykroyd gave us a harmonica. Ted Nugent sent us a pair of trousers, slightly soiled. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And Neil Schoen, he sent us a guitar from Journey.
1: We, we ha- you know that whole story about Ted Nugent soiling himself to a supposedly to av- avoid uh, the draft during the vietnam war I, I don't remember that he's told that story he, he he told that story that he did that and then later on he says that that never really did happen so i guess it's kind of in dispute but hmm. it was out there for quite some time wow back that's in, funny the, back in that, the that early Shelley day. used it there <laughs> yeah may, maybe he was referring to that story i don't yeah.
3: know great time we ran about a three-week campaign we had we had all these things on display yeah. And it drew a lot of people, came by. We had it on display uh, uh, around town. We moved a couple of locations. And um, I'd say literally thousands of people came by to see these things, and then they bid on them. Mm-hmm.
0: They auctioned them. This was, uh, na- nowadays they do that all the time. This was before anybody ever did anything like yeah. this.
1: Yeah, right. And, and these were these were actual things. I mean, when oh, we yeah. said that was Mick Jagger's cap, I mean, he wore that cap. Yeah. That's Bob Seger's jacket. He wore that jacket. Not now, a facsimile. Yeah, now they go out and buy one and put a name on it and say, yeah, here's my tour jacket. Yeah, you all know? right. Because so many people jacket, request uh, those things. Back
3: then, this was novel. I ripped that jacket off, Seeger. Did you? Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was in the station one day.
0: As I said, "Turn around, boom, the jacket was gone. Yeah. But I didn't touch the snake. <laughs> right. <laughs> <Really? laughs> Neither did I. This next song, you yeah. man, Gary Bennett, in the studio with us here. Uh, this had a special meaning to the format here at KC95, to program at KC95, other than the actual fact that it was a great song by Lighthouse.
1: Yeah, this song was used as uh, the intro to the news for a long, long time. Uh Gary, how many years did we use that? I think we started using it about
0: 1970, late 1970. And we did, back in those days, what we uh, would call a produced newscast. Uh, We'd use music, bits of music out of a song, sound effects, Mm -hmm. and actually made the news enjoyable, very easy to listen to. Uh-huh. Something that wasn't a turnoff because news can be a turnoff. Oh, when I went, you're looking at you, man, when you say. it's it. <laughs> well, face the facts here. You know. <laughs> okay, but uh, but would you say for
1: like fourteen, <laughs> about fourteen years, we used that. Uh, yeah, that, n- much, that, yeah, news that news that intro, support, and what sure. was the outro? There was the music that we used after the news too. That was uh, Layla, the end of Layla, yeah, or oh, in the middle, really? the middle part we're of Layla.
0: Get on the on the mic there, what, Shelley? At the break. At the break in the middle of the song. Are you on the
3: on
1: the yeah, yeah, we're on, on, the, on the air. air. Well, I'm
0: here. Oh, okay. I didn't know you were on the air. Yeah. All right. Well, let's l- give a listen here to uh, a, a definite K.C. classic, and this is one fine morning from Lighthouse here once again celebrating 22 years here at the home of classic rock and roll, K.C. 95.
1: Shelly's about to tell an incredible story about the song Layla. Oh, man. Well, you,
0: you know, we, we're talking about, uh, we're talking about the, the show tonight, of course, the free show with uh, Atlanta Rhythm Section. I, I would have believed in, in those days when rock and roll was not in its infancy, but as it was growing, I guess all those shows were just jam packed sellouts, and you have some great memories there, huh, Shelly?
3: Yeah, I have, I have great memories of all those shows. Uh, but there was one particular show that didn't sell out in 1970. Uh-huh.
0: We had a show uh, that
3: featured The Who, it was opened by Carol King. In the right. Opera House.
0: Talk That's when it. Tapestry was out, was it? Not? Uh,
3: tapestry was out, right. And exactly. she was huge then. She was the huge. Uh, we put him in the Opera House. Thought it was going to be a cinch. Yes. Didn't sell out no wow. now look how things happen to who comes back you know yeah. just 29 years later right. 19 years later yeah. and sells out bush auditorium yeah so yeah. you see how fast they
1: wow. <laughs> so 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 what did what did you end up doing how about you say it wasn't a sellout i mean was it like half
3: empty uh, no no it no. was it was about uh, 85 or 90 percent it yeah. was about three thousand uh, out of the 3500 mm-hmm. did they did they uh destroy the stage uh no no uh when um when they looked like they were about entertaining the idea, yeah. we, we, we tore all the instruments off the stage. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, and asked them to leave. You, you know, uh,
0: <laughs> one of the things that has not occurred, at least since, since I've been here, but another one of the grand events that Casey was all associated with was this Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day, Day right? parties, yeah. We had three or four of those, in huh? Valentine's Day
3: parties were great, the biggest of which was in 1980 when Rush played three nights at Keel. We, we had Valentine's uh, party, and we <laughs> sold out the first night, so we had Valentine's party, Massacre is called, uh, part two, yeah. sold that out, another 10,000 people, or same people coming back the second, <laughs> second night. So then we went to Valentine's uh, Massacre Part three and sold that out. And in the end of the uh, three day period, 31,000 people uh, saw the rush, saw a rush, <laughs> <laughs> it's got a rush. And uh, that show was opened by Max Webster.
0: But a couple of Max other. Max uh, Webster, I haven't heard that name in years. That, that was, was uh, out of Canada. Out of wasn't Canada, a, yeah,
3: out of yeah, Toronto. Yeah. We also had, in 78, uh, in we had a party with uh, Eddie Money, Doucette. Let, the, let that boy play, or yeah, let Mama and right. Him Still play. play yeah, that remember day? that? And Meatloaf, that was a good party. Okay. In 79, we had Toto, April Wine, and Stillwater. Wow. And in 82, we had uh, Steppenwolf and Spirit. Yeah. And those were Valentine's. Stillwater, parties. what song did they have? They had a Mindbender. great song. Mindbender. Oh, oh, Mindbender. Yeah, Mindbender. I got, it. You got it. There were some right? others, too, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, back in the early days, growing up here in St. Louis, uh, you'd see Casey bumper stickers everywhere. But you'd see a lot of KADI stickers as well. That that was that was a was that a fierce battle in those days in the early days? Yeah,
3: Yeah. KADI was a fierce competitor for about seven years. They chased Kashi for seven years and uh, did an admirable job. They were a good station. Um, They did a good job. Uh, Kashi just was uh, a little better, Uh, but they did a great job. Then after KADI changed their format and gave up Mm -hmm. after seven years of chasing, that's exactly what it was. It was they gave up. Uh, later on, just shortly thereafter, uh, KWK with Bobby Hattrick over there, uh, they became a, an AOR station and gave chase to KSHI for about five years. Mm-hmm. But they suffered the same fate that uh, KDI did. They, they failed to catch us, too. Uh, good station, sounded great, great music. St. Louis, i tell you, has enjoyed great rock and roll. Uh, over the years, you had seven years of KSHI and KDI, then you had five years of KSHI uh, and KWK, and of course, today, Casey stands alone. huh what well thank you that the
1: way is that how i let's
0: let's just say all the others are learning from history okay as you used to say shelly grafman uh former general manager here at casey we thank you very much for making this a very handsome day for us
3: (laughs) here they they told
0: me you used to use the term handsome handsome. day Uh, yeah that was one of his favorite adjectives Yeah. yeah a handsome job but i uh i got to
3: thank you guys. This has been the fastest three hours I've spent in my life, having gotten here about 10 to 7. I can't believe it's 10 o'clock. It was but fast. I've enjoyed every minute of it, John, and Smash. It's well, I, I tell great. you what,
0: I, I've heard uh, many, many stories about the history of KC-95, and I was familiar with KC-95 uh, growing up in Indianapolis, Indiana. The, uh-huh. the, the stature of the radio station extended even that far, uh, if not nationwide, at least to my hometown. And, uh, you know... After all the songs that K-985 has played over these 22 years, uh, I imagine there's a number that, indeed, yes. you come to mind that are favorites of yours. Anyone that particularly comes to your mind? Uh, well, we one uh, one song,
3: uh, Smash, that particularly has a story behind it, as a matter of fact, um, is a song called Layla, Derek yeah. and the Dominoes. We found that song in that double album... And uh, we uh, started playing it, had good response to it. We incorporated it into our news. It was the go-out after mm-hmm. the news. We used it as the uh, exit. And um, we played it regularly. The six-minute track was regularly played. I got a phone call about two years after we started that. I got a phone call one day from Atlantic Records in New York. And I knew the fellow that called me. He was the promotion director of Atlantic Records. He says, what is going on in St. Louis? I says, what are you talking about? He says, well, this is Derek and the Dominoes, Layla. He says, you know, that album's been out two and a half years. It's, it's died. It just never went anywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. He says, but we get reorders out of St. Louis constantly, big reorders. He says, and we understand you've been playing it. I said, well, yeah. He says, we play it regularly. It's a great track. And uh, we use it on our news as the exit from our news, and uh, it's been a standard with us, and it's a beautiful composition. It's just incredible. I can't believe it went nowhere. He says, well, let me tell you, it was a stiff. It just went nowhere. <laughs> He says, we're going to, based on what you've told me, we're going to put it out as a single and see if we can reissue the album and see if something happens. And they did, and Layla then was picked up by AORs all over America, all over the world, perhaps, and became a smash, and the album sold platinum and, uh, of course, has become right. a classic in every rock station in America. Right. And so Layla has a particular story behind it that's interesting. It was it was a remarkable story for a beautiful track. I, I think it's just one of the classic songs of all time.
2: Yeah. It- I just got... Chills down my spine. That's a great story. Isn't it? And considering that, you know, that song is such, you know, has such stature that Eric Clapton re recorded it for his acoustic record, and that version is great too. Yes. You know, yes. so he knew what a great song it was even, you know, back in the 90s when he did it over and. and and yeah, that, I like both versions.
1: That acoustic version may not have ever happened if it weren't for Shelley Grafman yeah. and Casey making the song what
2: it became. That's
1: right. That's crazy. Pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. I think the interview's about ready to wrap up. Great story. Yes. Uh, I, I feel proud you tell that story, that I worked at the radio station where that happened. At, right and, and we listened to the radio station all our lives where that happened. Because that's, as you say, that is a standard of uh, right. rock and roll era, rock all and roll the generation.
2: I guess that's the end. That's it. Ran out of tape. Well, that, that was a... A great interview to hear him. I, I wish he was still around. I know. Same here. To imagine
1: all the other information we could have gotten out of him over all these years because his memory was very vivid. He, was, he had hands on everything that happened to this radio station from 67 practically on to 1984. And, you know, that three hours right there. And we could have talked to him another, really, another hour or two or who knows how much longer to get even more stuff out of him, because you know, once you start prompting people, uh, they start their memory gets clearer, and I'm sure many more things could have come out as time went on. But right. and I remember Shelley too when I first came to the radio station. He was intimidating. I mean, he had that deep voice. And, yeah, he did. And uh, you know, he 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 ruled with with I wouldn't say an iron fist, but you knew who the boss was. Right. You know, and and uh, you you didn't want to let the boss down. And uh, as um, as time went on, and uh, the company was sold. Century Broadcasting was sold to Emmis, and Shelley wasn't around anymore. He stayed in touch with me. Um, he he would we would talk o- off the air from time to time mm-hmm. about different changes that were going on at the radio station. Uh, when we when we brought J.C. Corcoran in to do the morning show, you know he didn't think that. Acacia and Real Rock Radio should be having a talk show in the morning because right. it was about the music to him all the time. You know, it was, it was always about, you know, highlighting the music. The personalities were secondary. Right. Well, we flipped that on its ear in 1984 when we started doing the Acacia Morning Zoo show. Sure. So he didn't necessarily care for that and uh, then as our playlists kept getting tighter and tighter to compete with other stations in the market, you know, he, he was afraid that Casey was getting too tight musically, and, and he had concerns that, uh, you know, our future wasn't going to be all that bright. Well, we're still here 51 <laughs> years later, but I can understand his concerns because he wasn't the only one that was thinking along those lines. Sure, you know? sure. So as uh, time went on, as, like I said, we, we became friends, and he wasn't my boss anymore, and um, uh, eventually... Uh, He got sick, and he had cancer, and he passed away. And uh, his family asked me to be a pallbearer at his funeral, and I I carried him to his grave. And that's something that I'll always remember the rest of my life. Mm. But, um, yeah, we're just glad we could uh, do this here today and bring back this old interview with Shelly Grafman on our uh, anniversary. Died uh, relatively young in 1997.
2: Shelly Grafman. Right. So next week, uh, Alice Cooper. And his Casey Hall of Fame interview, where he talks about golfing with you and being in the car accident that you've talked about. and. I want to hear your side of the story then, too, yeah. his, his yours is a little more uh, detailed. When he talked talked about it, it was funny, but it wasn't quite as detailed as yours.
1: Yeah, yeah, his memory isn't as vivid of it, because he was in a car accident with me, <laughs> as yeah, opposed to exactly. the opposite. Well, uh, thanks for listening, and, and again, we'll do this again next week. Uh, I'm John Hewlett. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at
2: STLUman and... And Favaz at Casey Guy. See you next week, Johnny. Bye now
0: casey tapes with you man and favaz for more on the history of casey go to ksh 95com or the casey mobile app
2: peloton let's go this holiday with the right music and the right motivation from world class instructors
1: we're gonna pick it up a notch it's the holiday season
2: you might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes